Best Book Bits podcast brings you Marie Frappe, international women's personal trainer to the stars, yoga instructor, author, online educator, and soon mum-to-be. Marie, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. No worries. Now, for more audience uh, who don't know you are, uh, let's go back a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Marie? Where did you grow up? And, and what's your journey so far? Okay, so um, okay, so my name is Marie Frappier. I um, um, so my parents were um, born and raised in, in in Mauritius Island, which is an island uh, in uh, the Indian Ocean, very tiny island in the Indian Ocean. And I was born in France, where I was um, where I grew up and I, where I had my main education. Um, and it was very interesting for me to grow up with a double culture. And after that, I went to, I had a very normal, um, normal childhood, um, um, nothing particular. I grew up very happy um, with my family and my brothers and sisters. And um, I grew up being a very curious child, um, very interested about um, countries, very young, interested in geography and um, interested in people, um, in different food, different cultures, very, very early actually in age. And then um, I've always loved to study, so I did study a lot. Um, and then uh, what happened is that after my uh, bachelor degree, um, I started to go um, in foreign countries to have very, very short internships and then, you know, travel around and then discover a bit of um, what was happening outside of France. Um, and then um, I did go through um, university um, loving to study, loving to learn new things all the time. Um, but then when I got my master's degree, I got a job offer to become um, an hotel manager. He was a, a five-star hotel manager and I, I couldn't see myself doing that. Uh, after all these years and all these effort to get my degrees, I, I didn't feel like I was fitting. I had too many questions in my head about life, about psychology, about other people. And I refused to drop. And at the time, my my family and everybody thought I was crazy because a lot of um, students struggled to find a job right after their um, graduation. Uh, but I I just decided to go and I and I started to travel the world, saying to myself that I needed to experience things, experience life in a different way. And I thought that I was going only for six months, and then I kept traveling for ten years. Wow. With, um, when did you leave? Uh, so you're going, take, going back. So born and raised in France. Um, did you go from France? What was your first country that you went traveling with for six months? The UK. And now I'm yeah. living in the UK. <laughs> and then where did you go? What was your, so 10 years of travel? Talk, talk to us about that. Was that in your 20s, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started in my 20s. So I started, like, I traveled in the UK first, and then I went to Costa Rica, Panama, Nicaragua. Then I went to different places in Africa. I went to Togo, Benin, um, uh, Burkina Faso. Then I uh, 
I went to, um, I traveled back in Europe and different places in Europe. Um, then I went to India, um, Australia. Um, I've, I've done, I've been, I've, I did travel to a lot of countries, I think in total it was about like 15 or 20, I think. Um, it was very, very, um, it was very, very difficult for me to stay in one place. Um, each time I was getting into a routine, I needed to change. I really, really had the travel bug for a very, very long time. How did you support yourself? So I guess my audience listening right now will be saying, yeah, I'd love to travel for 10 years and, and drop everything. <laughs> or, you know, how did you support yourself in, in the early days of traveling with, with that, that sickness you've got, which is the travel bug? It's, uh, it's a hard one to get rid of. Okay, so I had a strategy. I will always go back to my base, which were my mom's house. I will look for a job, any job that I would I wouldn't have any trouble to leave because most of the time there were jobs that were very like for example I would be a receptionist and I would say, Okay, for four months, five months I'm gonna be a receptionist and I'm gonna I'm gonna work day and night, I'm gonna take every single shift I can and I will save all that money and as soon as I had enough to um pay my flight and pay about like few weeks of uh rent, I was gone. And then when I would go to the place I would look for a job and I would start working there and I would I would just I would just make a living there. I had ups and downs. It hasn't been like so easy because I never asked any money to my mom to support me or help me with anything. I wanted to do that on my own. And actually worked pretty well, even though sometimes it was tough. I was very, very short with money. But it has built it has built my personality in so many ways, made me very smart about the way I was spending and the way I was I was saving and it, it really taught me a lot of things, especially my I was very young at the time. And um, you know it teaches you a lot of things, how to um develop self-confidence and how to um to face different situations in life I would say. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, travel. I've, I've traveled the world myself and, and lived in the UK. My parents, uh, my mum's from the, the UK. And uh, yeah, travel the world and it's, uh, it opens your eyes up and obviously you learn a lot of lessons. But look, that's not what you're known for uh, to people that know you. So obviously you're a motivational coach, online entrepreneur and founder of the Marvelous Tribe as well. But take us back to how did you get started in the fitness industry? How did how did that come about? Okay, so... Um, so... <sighs> Well, I started on my own uh, in the fitness industry when I'm, I'm calling not as a professional, but myself as a practitioner and a, a very regular um, um, fitness practitioner or train, um, like being trained all the time and training myself all the time. I would say I started when I was 16. Uh, I didn't grow up in a, in a family that was sporty at all. Actually, I'm basically the only sporty person in my family. Um, I just developed an interest when I was about, yeah, 16. And then I went to university and I started to um, to, to study fitness. And uh, it didn't go that well um, because um, I, wasn't, um, I wasn't comfortable with um, the course that I chose at the time. So I left, but I still decided to train myself on my own, get a lot of knowledge, read a lot of books about fitness. 
And then I trained myself, but I did a lot of things very wrong. I didn't know how to train. I didn't know about my postures. I didn't know about um, about my physiology, basically, you know. So I did injure myself, uh, not massively, but I did, like, you know, when you do things and you don't know what you're doing, then these things happen. Um, and then after that, what happened is that when, uh, before traveling to Australia, um, a few years ago, I was completely sure that I wanted to work in the fitness industry. So when I went to Australia, I started to work and do a course at the same time to get qualified. And, um, and yeah, that's how it started. I got, um, I got a job in a, a nutrition company and I also had to um, train people there. So they asked me to sell their um, nutritional products and at the same time to train people. And then I just loved it. I was doing a lot of outdoors. Um, and then, yeah, it was just for me, it was so natural to do it as well because I loved, I loved it so much that for me it was a whole brand new experience actually doing what I really wanted to do for a long time rather than trying to look and appeal good in front of other people saying, you know what, I have a master's degree in this, or I studied project engineering and I studied this, but I was feeling like it wasn't for me. Um, I needed to move constantly as well. That's what I love the most about my job is that I move all the time. Um, I'm not somebody that can spend the whole day um, at a desk. Um, so. Yeah, just a side note as well for people that don't know who you are. Before you were pregnant, I believe you used to tell me you used to jog to work. So that's how crazy you are in, in terms of movement. So I've uh, never heard someone jog to work before, but that that is Marie. Now, take us back to uh, your book. So uh, your book is called uh, Show What You're Made Of, and, and it's a personal odyssey um, narrative about your experience and discoveries on the subjects of, you know, love, finance, career, physical and mental well-being. Why did you write the book? What is it? I know it's a memoir. I've written it. Oh, sorry, I've um, I read it. Apologies. Um, how did it start and what was your idea about writing the book? Well, at the beginning, um, it wasn't, I didn't think about writing a book. I was thinking about writing blogs uh, because I wanted to create a website and I wanted to write about different topics. So because I was alone and I was in Australia and I had no friends, no family, and I would just put myself into it and just go to the library from the library would help until the library would close literally to spend a whole day there writing about different things and then I kept writing and writing and I said oh my goodness I have wrote so much that I could actually write a book and I could definitely convert it to a book because I literally wrote a hundred blogs. Wow. So I said, okay, I'm just going to put that into a book. But the problem is uh, I was, it was completely disorganized because I didn't plan to write a book. So I had to go back through everything that I wrote, put everything in order, and so many things didn't make sense. And then on top of that, I was writing in English. So even though I learned to speak English, um, when I came to university here, I, I, I was struggling with the writing. I was struggling with the the, the sentence formulation like it was a lot of hard work for me um but i was so driven and so dedicated that i said to myself you know what i i want to i want to do something that is going to 
be very personal, but at the same time, there's gonna there's gonna help people. Um, there's gonna you know, like you, 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 we all have personal experiences. We all have things that that we are proud of and things that are bothering us a little bit more. And I think that the fact that I put everything on paper was kind of liberating for me. But it was so personal at the same time that when I finished uh, to write the book, I was like, there's no way I can publish that book. <laughs> because because it was it was uncomfortable. It was putting me in a very uncomfortable position as well, yeah. putting myself out there this way. Now, you've got a copy of the book next to you, do you? you can yeah, show the, yeah, yeah, uh, show I the do. Audience. Yeah, pick it I up. Show us, show us what it is. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Show, show. <laughs> and when did you publish the book? Well, uh, sorry, when, when did you write the book or finish it? What was the, uh, what was the year? Um, okay, so I wrote the book in uh, 2000 and 2017. Okay. Um, and then after that, I published it. Um, I published it the same year. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I just we work on it. I worked with um, a copywriter that actually helped me to reorganize the book, uh, and I, I republished it again um, when I came here last year. Yeah, got it. Now I'm going to play the book game with you. So the book game is really, really simple. So for my audience who haven't read the book, I'm sure a lot of people obviously don't know who you are. Um, I'm going to go through some of the chapters, and I want you to sort of give us some, uh, give us some little golden nuggets of uh, summarize if you could. So I know you sort of give an assessment of your life, uh, but talk to me about taking responsibility for your life. Give us some info on that. Okay, so this one, uh, this one is probably one of the most important because you know when something happens to you, um, and, I, and I, I include myself into this because I, we, we do it unconsciously sometimes as well still today, even though I wrote this. I still do it as well. Like, you know, if, if this happened, it's because of you or because of her or because of society or because of whatever, you know, like because of everybody but you. Um, and at some point, you, you have to understand, and I had to understand myself that wherever, wherever I was in life was um, based on me. And what I have done, I'm not saying that you don't have external factors that impacting that are impacting what you're doing and the consequences that you're experiencing in life. But there's a let me give you an example. There's a big chance that if you are bothered by the way you look and then you're overweight, there's a big chance there's something that you need to do about your diet. So you can blame the big the big brands and all the the junk food companies, but nobody's actually forcing you to go to this shop and buy the food, even though you get triggered. So at some point, you have to take responsibility for your health. You have to take responsibility for your finances. And when I'm talking about that, but you know, in the book, I talked a lot about my, I talked about my finances as well. But it's another example of saying that if you if you don't look for solution to make more money and then you complain because you don't make enough money or you rely on external sources and on the government to give you money, then you can't always complain. And it's hard to do. It's hard to take responsibility because, you know, it makes you feel very uncomfortable to think that, oh, my God, if I am in this situation, I might be a reason, the reason why, not the main reason, but one of the reason why. And I think that it's not about blaming yourself. It's not about saying to yourself, you know, um, oh, I'm a terrible person and I 
I've done this the wrong way and now, uh, you know, like really blaming yourself, really putting yourself down, but really face yourself and say, okay, what have I done to create that situation today? And that's what I'm talking about in the, in the, in the book, because it's something that I've, I've really struggled with in my, between my 20, I would say between 20 and 25 years, 25 years old, I was very like this. It's because of him. It's because of her. It's because of that. And I, th- no. I think we get, yeah, I th- I, spot on. Absolutely spot on. I think we get to an age where we realize that it's all my fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's the that's the sign of maturity and realize that, wow, looking back on your 20s and early 30s and even your teenage years, that it wasn't the external world uh, you were projecting. It's actually your internal world that really controls your external world. As you said, you've just moved into a new place, change your environment and things start to change as well. Just those little simple things. All right, continuing the book game. Um, I've got some chapters here. Give yourself value and stop self-criticism. Talk to me a little bit about that. Um, I think that there's a lot of people still today that are really asking themselves why they're not feeling good. And when you realize what they're doing, you understand why they're not feeling good. They look at themselves in the mirror like, oh my God, I look terrible, I'm fat. And then uh, they go to a job interview, they don't get the job and they're like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm terrible anyway, I will never make it. Or... um, they are in an abusive relationship and they're like, oh, I deserve it. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. it's like they just spend their time criticizing themselves and saying to themselves that no matter what, they, it's, it's, it's like they, they just criticize themselves constantly. How can you feel good if you criticize yourself constantly? It's impossible. If I, if I look at a person and I say to that person, you know, you're beautiful, um, you look great, I love what you're doing, you're amazing, that person is uplifted naturally. But if I look at that person as like, you look awful, I hate you, um, how do you feel that person is going to feel? But the problem is that these people have this internal dialogue every single day. And I, and I think that that's the, the most damaging thing you can do to yourself. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um... You talk a bit about sort of mental health as well. So why do you think some people have sort of a, a good mental sort of state and, and some don't? Uh, I think that, uh, to be honest, like the first thing is that there is um, um, a genetic factor, um, biological factor, where you have sometimes like people that they have uh, depression in their families and then they have like, you know, this is not necessarily something that they can control their mental state is going to be affected way faster than other people. But uh, that's one factor only. The The second one is, um, I think that they didn't uh, work on it. Um, we're always going back to the same thing. It's like, do you take care of your mental health daily? Do you spend your time? Do you wake up in the morning saying, you know what, I'm going to set up a very nice routine for myself. I'm going to start the day in a quiet space or meditating or of really nurturing myself or grab my journal and write about setting an intention for myself or do I start watching the news and and watching all these drama first uh, first thing in the morning and then um, just starting complaining and mourning because of this or that. It starts with a conscious choice Um, and I think a, a lot of people don't realize that they are in control of it. 
Um, I'm not saying that you, you, should, you, should, you are going to feel lively and bubbly every day because you have ups and downs and then you have, um, you have different, di different emotional states for sure. But I do think as well that if you're down all the time, there is something that you're not doing for your mental state and your mental health, that's for sure. How important is sort of physical movement and exercise and, you know, being a professional yoga instructor and personal trainer and, you know, people fly around the world to come to the UK to train with you. Um, how important is physical movement to mental health? There's a massive correlate. Do you see the, the correlation between, you know, activity and, and feeling great and inactivity and feeling lousy? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've never dissociated them, to be honest. Um, you know how the feeling that you have when you um you're done with a workout you feel lighter you feel more energized uh, and you don't need to go for crazy workouts a lot of people think oh my god i need to really work my ass off and run like crazy in the gym you don't need to just putting yourself in um like just being in just moving just moving actually help you to um, to feel great and it's just as simple as that you know when you when you are anxious or when you you're not great you start feeling like tension just right here on your throat on your stomach or you feel you know you feel like you have you you, you don't feel good you, you don't feel good you feel that something is bothering you it's a manifestation of how you feel mentally and it's showing up physically the same apply when you are lethargic and you're not moving, you're stagnant, you just, literally you would, you would like die in place, like literally, it's just, it's sometimes you're just bored and you're annoyed and you're just like feeling like so slow and then within a second you just start moving and then the energy is changing straight away. So I do really encourage people to move because it impacts their mental state straight away. There's no way you can feel good mentally if you don't feel good physically and vice versa. I mean, that's something that I'm 100% sure about. And I keep applying this main principle with my clients. Move and then you'll feel better. Yeah. Talk to me about some of your clients with some client stories and some successes, some um, even failures as well, and, and, and you know, working one-on-one -on -one with sort of celebrities and stars and, you know, high net worth individuals yourself. Uh, talk to us uh, about some of the stories and, um, yeah, anything at all about it. Uh, I think that one of the main thing with my clients and the way I train with them is, and what I love so much, is that at the beginning it's all about how they look and it ends up being um, the focus tends to be how they feel in the end you know it's like at the beginning it's like oh I want to know how much um, what was my what my weight is and they're obsessed with the weight right and then after a while they're like you know what I, I don't think I want to I want to go on that scale today I don't care <laughs> and that is one of the most um, fulfilling thing for me and then one of my success story that I have right now is um, a client I'm training with and she and she um, she's amazing she has been very consistent so I didn't have to push her too hard to bring her to the gym but she struggled um, massively with uh, asthma 
and she was struggling so bad to a point that if I would make her run for one minute that she would just had to stop training for 10 minutes 15 minutes until we like she she was she wouldn't be able to recover right and now she's able to run uh fast speed for 20 minutes on the treadmill without any problem with the within 30 seconds as she's fully recovered and it's just amazing it's just amazing how confident she is now to do it without me and I remember that day when she was able to run five minutes without stopping and she started crying in the middle of the gym floor and I was just so happy I said we made it and it's just like just few things you know that makes you feel like proud yeah. proud for what what the people have are able to achieve with a little push because she never thought she could do it that's that's awesome and a lot of people um they don't realize that you know terence mckinnon talks about the felt experience like we go through life very fast but we never take a break and say hey how did that actually make you feel you know and the the proud moments and just letting the emotion come through naturally as well and that's what life's about it's all about those small wins and you know, helping other people and giving them value and taking them to that next level as well. And I guess that's what being a good coach is about or a, um, a good business consultant or someone taking someone to that next level. Um, I want to sort of get personal with you and uh, yourself and talk about your pregnancy. Congratulations. Talk us about how it came about. We all know how it came about, but uh, <laughs> talk, to, <laughs> talk, to us about, talk to us about your journey on being a you know, if people look at your Instagram, uh, you had a six pack and you're a very fit, fit person and, um, going through, you know, having, having your first pregnancy, talk, talk to us about that. Uh, well, so, um, yeah, so, um, just to, if, if women are listening to me right now, first, I wanted to say that it's not as terrible as people think it is because when you go on Instagram and you go online it's like oh my god it's terrible you're gonna chore up all the time and you're gonna get fat and this and that and that and then they make it so like dramatic to a point where every woman say oh you know what I'll never get pregnant um the thing is I just feel great and I love being pregnant and I love gaining weight it's the most freeing and liberating thing ever. Because you know, whether you, we like it or not, we live in a society where people are judging you for your physical appearance. And because I am a trainer, I need to look, no, it's not I need, but I want as a personal trainer to want to look a certain way so that I can project that image to my clients and they can say, okay, she takes care of her health so I can trust her. You know, sometimes we say, oh, we don't care about your, how your trainer looks. We care about how he trains you. That could be applied for some people, but for me, I have to do what I preach. So it was very important for me. But now I'm gaining weight and I can't, I can't stop it, right? Even though I'm careful with my food, even though I still train, I'm gaining weight every day. And I thought before the pregnancy that I will feel terrible, that I will start having insecurities, and I will put myself to in a state where I will say, okay, I will be able to relate more to, to people that are feeling insecure and everything. And I actually don't. I don't. I, I, I look at this belly and, and, and I, just, I just get very interested in 
the the way the body works and how it can just change like this, you know. But it's also a big challenge for me because I know that after the pregnancy, I will have to get myself back into shape. And it's a good challenge for me to show to people that it's not because you are going through pregnancy that you can't be fit and that you can't be healthy. That's a myth for me. That's really something that that and then and then also I think that it's because I worked on my mental and mental states as well and I was feeling very good with myself before that I'm able to feel good now. If I was feeling terrible with myself, you know that sometimes you have women that they lose 20 kg and they like this, they're super thin, super ripped, and they still find themselves fat. Everything's happening in the brain and the mind, and I just think that from the moment you have a good state of mind, you're good. It's 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 I'm, I'm loving the journey and and for my audience out there, me and Marie have been connected for a little bit, so uh, I've been on the journey with Marie as well uh, during the pregnancy. Um, tell me a little bit about your partner. Who is he? What does he do? And and how how important is he in your life to support you? Um, all right, so um, he is. Um, is amazing to be honest and I'm not like you know I can't like sometimes you know like it's so cliche for you to say oh your partner is amazing um but he is and then we 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 know how it's very interesting when I have to talk about him because you know um we have a lot in common because he's working in the fitness industry as well we have we have a different background and uh, my my partner um used to do a lot of gymnastics and do um, a lot of martial arts so the way he trains people is completely different to the way i train people um but i'm i'm very proud of what he has done through his career he has a lot, way way more um years of experience than me um and um what can I say? At a personal level, is somebody that is really challenging me daily and pushing me to do things that I don't really want to do in a good way, um, keeping me accountable, um, sometimes telling me things that I don't really want to hear, and I hate it, but I I just think that is good, still good for me. I hope you won't hear this. Uh, but <laughs> still... Um, no, really, really, it's somebody, you know, like, there's something as well about um, relationship in general, you know, when you are, you, you can decide to be, to, to have a partnership, like Instagram's kind of partnership where everything is perfect and the person is always agreeing with you and you're living in Wonderland. I don't have that. I have challenging, challenges in my relationship. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. Um, it's, it's just part of it but one thing for sure is is a, is a huge support for me uh in my daily life and in, even in my work life um and to be honest there's a lot of things that he has done for me that has helped me a lot but for me you know the relationship is way more than just love you can love somebody and and not being able to picture yourself with that person just because you love them, but you can't see yourself growing with them. But I grow daily with my partner because um, he's not afraid to tell me the truth. And I think that is very important when you're with somebody. Yeah, def definitely. Yeah, I've been with my uh, 
been with my spouse and wife and friend and I call her life partner for about 13 years and uh, it's so good to have a solid rock next to you to support you but also to give you honest feedback and tell you what you don't want to hear and I think that's important in in any relationship so yeah um, shout out to my wife as well but yeah thank you for opening up about your partner as well now tell me how many weeks are you in the pregnancy and are you having a boy or girl or don't you know I am 28 weeks pregnant and I'm having a boy Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Congrats. So um, you're, you're two-thirds, what are you, two-thirds in and another third to go? That's, that's going yes. uh, to be super fun. Yes. Now, I want to talk about your transition from being the, you know, um, people travel around the world to come train with you and you go jog to people's houses as well to transition into the online space. What's that journey, um, how's that journey been like for you and sort of how can people sort of connect with you online? And, and what are you doing online with your clients and, and clients um, that you haven't, clients soon to be next year as well? What, what are you doing online? Okay, so online at the moment, I do different things. So I do personal one-on-one. So we do, or we do lifestyle coaching. So we talk about one specific issue and then we try to break things down. We're not trying actually, we're doing it. We're breaking things down and we are finding solutions based on the issue that we want to solve. Um, but I am not somebody that tells people what to do in a specific order. I just help them to find a solution. Um, let's say somebody is is having trouble eating properly. I ask them, what is the first step that you can actually take to be able to do this or that? Because if I'm saying to the person, do this, do that, it might it might be so big for them that they will say to you, okay, I'm going to do it, but they will never do it. But if they say, okay, at this stage, I'm able to do this. And then I, I, I just make sure that they keep accountable with what they're doing. But when they're saying it, they have to feel that they can do it. It's not like I'm just saying it to make you happy or because we have a session together. So that's the, the part of the, the lifestyle coaching that I do. Then after that, I have group sessions when I teach yoga. So these sessions are just um, Zoom sessions and they're really fun. Um, and then um, I do personal training as well and then recently I created a course called the wellness project it's a five module course uh, where I associate um, obviously uh, modules about physical and mental well-being so we go to the mindset longevity we go through the food habits uh, how you can nurture yourself and then at the end of the of the course you have a mastery week where every day you have a task to do based on what you have learned through the course. It is really a roadmap to help you to um, better your lifestyle rather than having a short challenge that you can just um, follow for 15 or 20 days. Because with challenges, I love challenges so much, they boost you, but when the challenge is over, you have a big chance of going back to your old ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I want to talk about diets as well. I've been on, uh, how many diets have I been on? Probably 87 diets or 87 times in the last sort of 15 years. I've been, okay, going to lose 10 kilos in 12 weeks. And, you know, I've lost the 10 kilos in, in 10 weeks. And then I've put on 11 kilos. And then I'm yo-yo and back and forward. And then lifestyle happens. And then December. December's a great drinking month. It's a great mm -hmm. eating month. Family, friends, you know, getting invited to seven Christmas parties. All of a sudden, you you put on four kilos, and you're like, "Ah, New Year's, okay, 
Where, what's that? What's that called? Where uh, New Year's resolution? So day one. Yep, I'm going to be health all year. You do it for January. February comes, you fall off the wagon, then you're back on the wagon in April. Fall off the wagon, back on, and life's this up and down thing. What are some of the top three principles that people can sort of put in place to say, you know what, long term health, um, diet, fitness? What are some practical things you could advise my audience on what to do for long term success? You mean if they are beginners? Just in general, yeah. In general. general. Okay. Um, So I'm going to be very, very basic. (laughs) But the first one is to get yourself moving. When I'm saying get yourself moving, it doesn't mean that you need to go to a CrossFit place. It means that you need to go out and walk. You need to to be active. Um, That's the main thing. Movement is just medicine. So the first one is move. Um, the second one is your body needs hydration because if you don't hydrate your body, you um, you don't function properly. Um, and the other thing is to create a good environment uh, to sleep. Sleep yeah. is very important and a lot of people are not sleeping well. They're sleeping with their device under their pillow. Um, they're getting up all the time and then um, they're, they're not functioning properly. If you don't have enough sleep, you don't function properly. Um, so I, I would say that you, you need to focus on these three first. Um, and then if I need to be a little bit more detailed is um, about like dropping the idea of diet. Uh, diets don't work. That's why people are always on diet. Um, so I would suggest to um, know more about your body, how your body, your metabolism is functioning. Because we have, we all have a different metabolism. That is why sometimes you try a, a, a new way of heating and it's working perfectly for your wife or working perfectly for your friend, but doesn't work for you. Basically, because your body is not reacting the same way. Even there's base uh, uh, guidelines that is working for everybody. Let's say that sugar is bad for you and that uh, healthy fat is good for you. You still have um, different genetics, different bi- different body type. And I think you need to uh, really um, change your diet and change your life accordingly. And the other thing as well is to um, think about habits and um, routines that you can sustain for life. If I'm saying to you, let's say you love something, let's say, what do you love eating that you can't actually uh, give up? KFC. KFC, okay. Let's say you love KFC, right? And I'm saying to you, okay, you're going to change your diet for life now and you're never, ever going to eat in KFC. KFC. You you start feeling anxiety. It's like, oh my God, I love it so much. How am I going to stop that? So you know that for you, it's not an option. You know that you might include it differently in your diet, but you're not going to stop it. What's happening is that people try to stop it straight away. And then when, when, when they can't do it anymore, they just go and they binge KFC for uh, like every day, you know? So I'm just saying to you, like, what can you sustain for life? Can you sustain, for example, going to KFC every 15 days? Yeah. You see? So try to include the habits rather than like cutting everything. Me, for example, it's like, uh, I love this, um, Agenda's uh, ice cream. 
and I love it, I really do, you know. So instead of cutting for good, I would just go and have it like sometimes during the weekend. So I never feel, I never feel like I'm starving myself, I'm suppressing my, you know, my, my, my wants to eat it. I would just eat it, but I will eat it with control rather than jumping on every single ice cream because I just suppress the need to have it. Yeah, it makes so much sense. I mean, I've sort of gotten to the habit now where I'm just fasting in the morning. I'm skipping breakfast, and, and we know where the etymology of breakfast comes from, which is break fast, so break the fast. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know what? I know that I'm eating maybe too many calories, so I'm just going to skip breakfast. I'm going to push it out till about 11 o'clock or 12, and then I'll have my breakfast there. So give my body a good, solid 12, 14-hour break uh, where it's just – it's it's okay to feel hunger. So I think a lot of people, especially dieting, it's your body's designed to be hungry. I mean, it's part of our biology. It's part of our it's part of our processes. Um, I did a little fat to fit journey about sort of uh, twelve months ago, where I was in shape and or I was out of shape and getting back into shape. But I was in shape two years ago before COVID happened, which we're not going to talk about. But obviously, the two years in lockdown and Melbourne being the most lockdown. Uh, city in the world in Australia. Um, but getting back to that, some of my six principles were, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, which was sleep. Sleep is super important. Uh, getting enough water. And these are all for free. So sleep, water, sweat, mm-hmm. uh, hunger, fasting. And there was uh, another odd, oh, sorry, movement, walking, walking. So those six things are nearly for free. Anyone can do them daily. And it's just those habits and rituals and routines to get yourself in, into that. So does that make sense? Like, I don't know, I'm just sort of unpacking sort of some of the things that I know. Would you agree with, with those six things? Yes, I would. I would definitely. Um, the, the walking part is, um, is um, something that I was talking about as one of the main principle, like it comes with moving anyway. Um, after that, you know, fasting, obviously, the fasting part is not for everybody. You have people that cannot fast. And if they cannot fast because they're taking, like, not taking meds or anything like this, then they don't necessarily need to fast, but they need to take care of their, uh, of their nutrition. And they need to make sure that they start their day with uh, healthy fat and proteins and um, you know, like, or finding their ways to have an appropriate diet based on their needs, their time, and uh, their expectations. Um, I think that, you know, it, we don't have the same routine, we don't have the same lives, and I think according to um, your lifestyle and your uh, routine, you should um, um, you should develop a routine around it. Let's say you're a busy mom with uh, three kids. You're not going to have the same routine than a single uh, single student that only goes to uni in the afternoon. You know what I mean? So it's very, very important to uh, map out your routine based on your current lifestyle and your current habits. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people forget that. They try to um, apply what another person is doing. Um, and that's what um, actually my course is about, about mapping out, uh, mapping out uh, what, what's working for you. And I, I guess to my audience out there, that's, I think, the reason why people should work with a coach 
um, who can consult them one-on-one -on -one privately and say, this is where you're at, this is where you want to be, and this is the journey I think you need to take individually. Um, you know, there's multiple ways to get to nine, five plus four, six plus three, eight plus one. There's so many different ways to get to the result that people realize that you need to work with someone to give you outside counsel. Um, anyway, I know we want to wrap this up, so I've got a quick question to ask you. Um, now, if you had to host a dinner party with three people uh, from the past, dead or alive, who would they be? What would you serve them or where would you take them? So three people. Three people that I would say that again. Host please. a dinner party. Come dine with me, UK experience. Who would they be? Mm, interesting. Dead or alive? Top of your head. Come on, multiple choice. Okay. Um, so I would go with. Um, Probably um, Venice and Serena Williams because they are amazing. I think I really have a lot of uh, admiration for what they've been able to accomplish. Yep. Um, then I would go with uh, Jordan Peterson. Jordan uh, Peterson? Yes. Mainly because um, I've been following his work for quite a while and um, I'm very, very interested in his views, even though I don't share, I don't agree with everything, but I am very, very interested in um, the way he thinks. Yep. And the last person I would say, probably Gabrielle Bernstein. Okay. Yep. Yeah. She's the, uh, she's the author. Cool. And yeah. where would you take, where would you take him to or what would you serve him? Oh, we'll definitely do something like uh, we, we'll go to a nice, uh, uh, nice place by the beach. Okay. I would see something like very casual, very, um, very cool setting where we could just uh, chat and listen to nice music and have very interesting, uh, very interesting talks. Beautiful. And now um, that would be a great conversation and... Uh... Be a good little dinner party. Now, where can people sort of connect with you online and find you and, and sort of uh, if people wanted to work with you and, and sort of one-on-one, -on -one, where, where can people connect with you online? Okay, so they can contact me. I have a, an Instagram page called Meaning Wellbeing. So they can contact me on this, but anyway, I will give you all the links and then you can just uh, help me with that. And then um, I am also um, a reachable um if you people wants to join my course um they will just uh, need to um click on the link and then um they will they will find me yeah perfect so you spend most of your time on instagram is that correct yes yeah perfect Everything now what's the last what's the last message you want to leave for audience with so if you had a billboard and there was one message you could leave what, what would that message uh you would leave um, I would just say to them that nothing is more important than their health. Uh, that is too important. Um, and I'm not trying to be dramatic here, but people are getting bigger and bigger. They are getting, um, they are not taking care of their health. And that's the, the big, um, it's very, um, it's very sad because we're living longer. We have the best, uh, um, 
doctors and medicine and everything to live longer, but people are still feeling terrible physically and mentally. Uh, and, I, and I think that without your help, there's not much you can do. You can't take care of your kids, you can't work, you can't... There's, there's not much you can do when you think about it, if your health is not well. So um, I, would, I, would, I would say to them to really, really encourage, uh, encourage them to um, make their health a priority. Marie, thanks for being on the podcast and uh, good luck with the uh, last, is it the last trimester of uh, pregnancy? Is that what yes, it's called? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we'll connect with you soon. Have an amazing Christmas and New Year's. And, Thank uh, you. And thanks for being on the Best Book Bits podcast. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Not at all. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.